This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. This week, I am hopping off the hiatus bus briefly. <laughs> hiatus bus, is that a thing? I don't know, I just made it up. Anyway, we're going to have a great discussion about the midterm elections and about how you can get involved. Kevin Jones is the leader of Indivisible Vashon, and he and his group will be leading the charge for people who are interested in working on races across the country. So join us as we talk about how the 2021 elections in Virginia and New Jersey, as well as the continued Republican gerrymandering, may impact the work we do here in Washington to help the Democrats hang on to the majority in the House and Senate. That is next. So as we know, the 2022 midterms are just around the corner. And because we know how high the stakes are, people are already looking for ways to get involved. So this podcast is teamed up with Indivisible Vashon and its leader, Kevin Jones, for an ongoing series that will lay out a comprehensive plan of attack for Washington Indivisibles to have an impact on next year's election. So with that, we welcome back our friend, Kevin Jones. Kevin, how are you, man? pleased to be here, Stefan. It's always a pleasure to have a chance to talk on this topic with you and the, and the Indivisible Washington podcast. Well, get used to it, man, because we're going to be doing a lot of this. And in fact, it occurs to me, uh, we need a name for this series. Are we, are we crowdsourcing this? I think we need something uh, kind of snappy. Blue in 22? Or what, what are you thinking? I, blue in 20, the, the, there's the there's some some interest in the true blue review 2022, oh. you know, but you, how, you know, how many rhyming uh, multisyllabic words can we string into this title uh, to get people's uh, attention? That's maybe the challenge our, our listeners should should send us their thoughts. Please do. Well, you can send it to indivisiblepodcast.org. So, uh, look, a lot has happened since we spoke last. Uh, Democrats had mixed results in the elections in Virginia and New Jersey. Uh, Republicans are gerrymandering maps all across the country. We knew that they would. Uh, And we're going to get to all that. But, you know, I do want to start locally and give a shout out to our pals at Indivisible Squim. They were, of course, waging a battle against their uh, to oust their QAnon mayor. Uh, Tell us what happened there. Uh, so um, I had an opportunity to be invited uh, actually to Indivisible Port Townsend's monthly meeting where uh, <clears throat> one of the speakers named Bruce talked about the QAnon mayor of Squim and the town rallied to basically do so many things. They, they combed through the city to find candidates who would be willing to run and sit on the Squim City Council. Um, they found multiple candidates to run they were five of five in terms of the, the victory. I think there's three new seats and two returning folks who shared their values. And uh, the, the key thing there is the, the city council members, I understand, are the ones who nominate the mayor. So mm-hmm. uh, as they take office, um, we should be expecting to hear that the QAnon mayor of Squim is, is, is not, uh, not going to be in office for much longer. Well, that's very good news. And yeah, so in addition to our friends uh, at Indivisible Squim, big shout out to our, our friends at Indivisible Port Townsend there. So way to go. I'll drink to that. Uh, hopefully and, uh, some good news uh, is forthcoming. Um, yeah, and so- I just want to mention, Stefan, that um, so I, I was invited to the meeting. They were going to talk about elections and uh, Debbie invited me uh, to, to, their, to their meeting. And as, as Mado and Annalee and Renee stood up and talked with their presentation about what they're going to do. Washington Indivisible Teams Helping with, and the idea is it's with Arizona or with Pennsylvania or with some other group. They are listening to what's going on. They, they listen to the podcast and it's so awesome that uh, you know, they, uh, they, they listened up, they decided to take some steps forward. Um, 
so exciting, you know, to, to have a chance to interact with them and their energy, their passion for how they're going to ask their members to get involved and engaged. And uh, I'll, I'll just say that uh, a two shout out to them. I agree. Totally, totally appropriate. And look forward to more conversations with them. Likewise. Yeah. And really inspirational. So uh, way, way to go, gang. Uh, awesome work. So, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Democrats had mixed results in this year's elections nationally. Uh, Terry McAuliffe lost the governor's race in Virginia. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy barely held on to a win there. Just briefly, what do you think this means for Democrats in 22? So it, it's certainly we need to treat this as a wake up call. Um, you know, we, we know that historically the party out of power uh, gains in the midterms. Um, Virginia is a bellwether for how that's going to turn out. Uh, there were a lot of close races, and I think that's very good news. But the bad news is there's a lot of races that flipped, a lot of seats that flipped. Um, so maybe under the guise of you don't know what you got, you don't know what you lost till it's gone. Uh, we need to recognize that this is a time to recognize what we have and make sure that we're willing to buckle in and, and make sure to do what we can to make sure it continues. I think it's a really good way of looking at it. And, you know, there's been a ton of ink spilled about what Democrats need to do going forward. Uh, I think everybody uh, is, is relatively familiar with Ezra Klein's uh, recent op-ed about popularism, so-called popularism. And this, this comes from David Shore. He was a numbers guy in the Obama administration and uh, had predicted a number of races very, very accurately. And so I think his opinion matters here. And the argument is essentially that Democrats should focus on things that are popular and not focus on things that are not popular. That's roughly, yeah. What, what, what is your take on that? Um, I, I agree with that. You know, I've, I've read through the, uh, the article. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of details there about what has been said. But the, the key thing is that while, you know, a lot of us who live in, in Western Washington, uh, myself on Vashon Island, very liberal bastion of progressiveness, um, that's not the world that Shore sees. That's not the world that he suggests that Democrats reach out to. And while we, you know, we are outraged by some immigration policies and we're outraged by the issues regarding uh, law enforcement and how that needs to be corrected, um, that's not the lived experience of, of a lot of, you know, the, the majority of people in the country, their lived experience is, I need to keep a job, I need to put money in the bank so I can put food on the table, and I need to keep my family safe and things like that. So it doesn't say that you know we should abandon our liberal or progressive values. It says we should not abandon those other values, which are so important to so many Americans. And uh, I think that it's important that, that that raises the issue in my mind that you know we need to talk about the values of things in what's being passed, the Biden the bike. Uh, uh, bipartisan infrastructure framework in its context, the build back better. These are things that people in the country want to see, as we both know. And so those are the things that this party, the progressive party can deliver. And uh, I think that's what Shore's saying is, is you need to really be helping to amplify those messages. I will play, you know, you touched on this a little bit. I'll just play devil's advocate. And just, you know, this is a very tricky balance, I think, for Democrats to strike, right? Because if we don't really adequately push on things like police reform, like immigration, uh, Democrats really do run the risk of alienating a substantial part of the base that has been responsible for some very key wins. And I also would hasten to add that it risks dimming the energy of activists like Indivisibles who do a lot of the groundwork. How do you think we strike that balance, say, when we're on the doors? What, how would you approach it? 
I think it's important to, you know, we, we have to recognize, I think, the value of, you know, sound bites in today's political world, right? Um, defund the police, abolish ICE. Those are sound bites. Those catch on. Those are hashtags, right? They become the, curric- the, the, the discussion points uh, about our progressive values and where we want to take the country. Without, exp- without a, an understanding of what they mean, if they can, if those sound bites are taken out of context, and we have a, a, a conservative media machine which is designed to do just that, and we know we do. We just have to yep. be aware. Yeah, and, and they're they're working full time. They're working overtime, right? Because uh, they want their guy back in the White House. So, um, you know, we I think it's important that we recognize that that we need to engage in that conversation. We we need to maybe uh, that you know we t- I, this usually c- turns into a messaging conversation right mm-hmm. or the Dems doing a good job of messaging um, and I think I think that's fair I think it's important to, to understand that when you seek those hashtag statements words that people rally around you also do your best to protect them against being turned against you as cudgels by the conservatives who are are really dead set against those things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's it's a discussion that I know we're going to be having uh, between now and 22 and probably between 22 and 24. So to be continued. Um, I also want to talk about redistricting, uh, because as I mentioned, as we knew that they would, Republicans are uh, hard at work in state houses, gerrymandering districts all across the country in their favor. What, what are some of the latest developments there? Uh, well, it's there's some fascinating articles coming out. You know, it's a it can be a very difficult topic to figure out. Okay, I see where the map lines are drawn. I see the district shapes, but what does that mean, right? What populations are now in this district? What are out of the district? So um, there's a great set of articles. I believe the New York, <clears throat> excuse me, the New York Times uh, went into some of the details. The um, uh, we know that two things are true that. Um, Republican-controlled legislatures who have the authority to redistrict are going to gerrymander to the extent that they are unconstrained in doing so. The Supreme Court did not step in and, uh, and slap anybody's hand on doing that. We also know that states like Oregon, who are progressives, are also unconstrained in their ability to redistrict. And uh, they're, they're joining in with some gusto in Oregon. Uh, New York, their first public meeting on redistricting, I believe, is this Sunday, the 5th of December. Um, And so they are a larger democratic state and can have more influence on the number of, uh, you know, new districts that will favor progressives. Uh, And apparently it's a big debate going on in New York right now. But you can bet that the standard list of states, Wisconsin, Texas, Pennsylvania, they're swinging the pendulum their way. Oregon, New York, perhaps other states are swinging the pendulum their way. It's just we don't know where it's going to turn out. But right now, it, uh, when they say that the House can be regained by conservatives just through redistricting, the numbers are looking like it's going to be uh, extremely close, if not in their favor at this point. Man, we have, we have our work cut out for us. We really, really do. Uh, and well, we've yes. known this for a while. I mean, I don't think this is any secret to anybody. So let's talk about where we can, we can be putting some of this energy um, and, and focus that we know we're going to have to exert in 22. Indivisible Vashon has a very thorough game plan. What are the things uh, that you are focusing on for 22? Um, there's, you know, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, we pretty much the what we dialed in in 2020, uh, we thought worked reasonably well. 
the, the thing that, that was challenging for us is that the polling data <clears throat> to show where different candidates were was, was again, historically inaccurate. Uh, but the focus then was to look at where are the close races, who is going to be coming back as an incumbent to either um, try to hold a seat or try to, um, that's, that's a Democratic seat that we want to protect, or a Republican seat that might be vulnerable. And we are, the interest that we have is to look at um, both seats that are currently held by Democrats or progressives and those seats that are currently held by conservatives or Republicans. And for example, in Southern California, four districts flipped um, from red to blue in 20, and then blue to red in 2020, I'm sorry, in, in 18, and then flipped back red in 20. We know they're competitive. The one thing that we are still waiting to unfold, of course, is what we talked about is redistricting and, and the consequences there. Um, so when it comes to a seat that is not an incumbent, um, you know, we think that it's important to find opportunities for volunteers to register voters in that area. We also see high value in states that have a number of competitive seats. If you're going to start organizing with, say, uh, you know, a, a community organizer in some state, you want to make sure that you, you have the opportunity to influence as many races as you possibly can. Um, Nested races is the terminology that that goes by. That means, say, you have several House races and a Senate race in that state. So every person you talk to to convince them to vote for a, a progressive House member, they're going to have to cast a vote for a progressive senator. And so we want to make sure that those votes align. Um, and so that's kind of our focus on indivisible Vashon, working to find those opportunities. Good, good. Yeah. I, and, you know, we're very fortunate that you're a numbers guy uh, because it, it's not going to be me. I'll tell you that. Uh, that's definitely not how my head. <laughs> but no, it's true. And I, and I know that your approach is going to become uh, even more focused as we travel down this path. Um, I should mention the Indivisible National also has a program called Give No Ground. I, I thought we could give just a couple moments to tell people briefly what that is and, and what some of their recommended actions are. Uh, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, Give No Ground has, I believe, seven candidates that Indivisible National has identified for us to support. I think it's actually seven in the House and one in the Senate. Um, and uh, that what they've done is they've looked at incumbents only and the idea that you know, these are people holding seats now that we want to reelect. There are also people who are strongly supporting of our progressive agenda. And so they're very deserving candidates. We definitely want their voices returning to office and pushing for the values and the things that we care about. Um, the one area of difference is that, of course, um, they're not, the Give No Ground program isn't set up to focus on the seats held currently by Republicans. And so um, while, you know, you just heard about Indivisible Vashon, you know, we are seeking opportunities to influence the outcomes in those districts, in those races, um, you know, not every, every puzzle piece has to cover the entire map, right? Um, you have different programs, they have different scopes. As long as the tapestry of all of those various opportunities fit together to give people an idea of what they can do and the things they want to do and align with the passions and the interests that they have, um, then I think that, that we've done a good job of creating opportunities for people to, to get involved. 
I, I agree. It's all very empowering. And uh, I should just mention to people, you can learn more about that at givenoground.org. And of course, uh, indivisiblevashon.org is where you can go for information there. Um, you have brought to my attention something that I think is, is interesting and uh, might be a unique opportunity for folks. You would like to spend a little bit of our time focusing on some state races for attorney general and secretary of state. And we know that this is important. These are, uh, the, I'm talking, uh, you know, in other states beyond beyond ours. We know this is important because having Trump loyalists in these positions can mean stolen elections. I mean, imagine if we'd had a Trump loyalist uh, instead of Brad Raffensperger in Georgia, what would have happened? So just very briefly, um, talk about a few of the races you think that, that deserve our attention. Yes. Well, first of all, I will talk about Washington State because now we have all state offices are held by Democrats with... Uh, with, no, uh, Steve Kim Hobbs now uh, replacing Kim Wyman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I, I just would love to be the fly on the wall at the conversations that occurred, you know, between the Inslee administration and the Biden administration about who to fill that gap for. Mm -hmm. you know. But nonetheless, um, however that went down, um, you know, Kim Wyman, of course, has done a, uh, she, you know, she comes from a state where we have mail-in voting you know, uh, mail ballots that go out to every every voter. And um, and she's a Republican. So it's in very interesting how that might play out in the political wrangling, right, around yeah. um, around support to the kind of voting that we in Washington state really appreciate. Uh, but the other states, as you mentioned. Um, so here's here's what I did. We know that there are um, that, you know, we hear about the stories of secretaries of state and attorney generals being under fire and being, you know, really like a Raffensperger in Georgia saying, how could you possibly have not turned the election over to Trump? And they're, they're being blistered, right, by their own party. And uh, so we know that they're, they're under more and more pressure as we go forward. Um, so what I did is I took a look at the last presidential election results and identified the state's that the Trump-Biden margin was small, meaning under 10%, because it's pretty hard to steal an election if they go, you know, 60% for Biden and claim that, no, that's wrong, they went for Trump. So you got to pick the close states. And then we looked at the states where, um, you know, when, what was the term limits? Uh, who's an incumbent? When do the terms end? And which elections will those offices be able to influence? So that's kind of the sorting filtering process. So here's what we found. We found that Arizona is huge. Um, I would say the very best opportunity. What's going on there is Republican Governor Ducey is term limited. Uh, the De Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who I'm sure is a familiar name to many of our listeners, is going to be running to fill the governor's seat. What that means is she leaves an open seat for Secretary of State. And we know Arizona with their audit and all the other stuff that they did, you know, the election audit by the, what was it, the cyber ninjas? I think it was, um, yeah, cyber ninjas with their bamboo, looking for bamboo and the, yeah, bamboo, anyway. You know, <laughs> bamboo threads in the ballots and the whole, the, and, the, and the, you know, the trucks coming and going at night and the stuff being pushed, all of that stuff, right, under the table. Um, the bottom line is we know Arizona is a hotbed of um, election, election, um, uh, subversion and election suppression, I guess. Voter suppression is, I guess, the term you're looking for. So um, focusing on Arizona is, is a pretty good bet. We also, oh, by the way, um, have um, Senator Mark Kelly, who's going to be running for re-election. And, uh, of course, we'd love for him to influence his um, other senator. Wouldn't we? Arizona, Kirsten Sinema, um, and get them working on, together on the same page. 
but we certainly don't want to have Mark Kelly um, go by the wayside in Arizona. So it's a huge opportunity there. All right. Arizona, any other states that you think we should just uh, be keeping an eye on for either Secretary of State or Attorney General? Um, Georgia, uh, Raffensperger, uh, the Republican who got that call from uh, Trump, you know, he only won by 3.9%. And the Attorney General there only won by 2%, 2 2.6%. They're both up for re-election in 2022. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, the Democratic Attorney General, uh, Josh Call, won by less than 1%. And the Secretary of State, uh, Doug Falafelet, won by five and a half percent. Neither are term limited in Wisconsin, so they're going to be able to run for re-election. Um, but uh, we want to make sure to elect the Democrats, both of those Democrats, uh, in 2022 in Wisconsin. And then Nevada, um, a, a largely Democratic state, so these races seem less likely to go Republican. But I was just shocked that the Attorney General, uh, Aaron Ford, who's a Democrat, won by four-tenths of a percent, wow. and the Republican Secretary of State, Barbara Sigovsky, won by seven-tenths of a percent. Super competitive races in Nevada. Uh, Nevada is also a state that has some pretty um, important races coming up in terms of congressional um, control. So um, yeah, those are the highlights. Um, I would say the, you know, the uh, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Nevada, and we'll be looking for opportunities to support those races as well. Good. And I can imagine that people can find out more about that at indivisiblevashon.org. Um, you know, just speaking of volunteer opportunities, and I know this is still technically kind of early, but I know that there are people who want to get involved right now. Uh, you have a few things that people can do uh, nationwide. Just just give us a, a kind of a taste of, of what some of, of the opportunities are right now. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we're still, we're looking every day. We have... Um, two active researchers right now, including myself. So that's three. And then the Indivisible Port Townsend team, Anna Lee is starting to get her up and take a look at opportunities in in at least two states, maybe three or four. Um, And so it could be new material coming in, uh, new opportunities uh, anytime. But Georgia, phone banking to identify Democratic voters now through mid-January. This is the who do you go back to when it comes time to get that ballot in the, in the, in the ballot box and to ask them to make sure to you know, get their friends to make sure that they vote as well. Identifying the Democrats, super important. In Arizona, the phone bank there is still focusing on encouraging Senator Sinema to, to support the Freedom to Vote Act. Um, and of course, that Freedom to Vote Act is key to uh, a, you know, re- pushing back some of the voter suppression laws. So, and she is, of course, a key vote on that whole thing, uh, that that whole uh, Freedom to Vote Act. So that's where Arizona phone banking is focused. Uh, Wisconsin, um, we your, our listeners may not know T- Tony Evers. He is the Democratic governor in Wisconsin. Um, the good news is he will be making sure their uh, conservative legislatures don't gerrymander their maps too terribly, we hope, cross our fingers. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, we all know Senator Ron Johnson, who's a Republican, and um, really needs to find another job out of Congress. So uh, there's phone banking in Wisconsin for that. And then for those who'd like to write, uh, there's postcarding campaigns. Activate America is gearing up. And uh, right now, over the holiday season, when you got some time off, you can write postcards to Pennsylvania, California, and Wisconsin. All those opportunities right now are on indivisiblevashon.org at the GOTV page. 
Just kind of wrapping up before we go here. So we've talked about, you know, some of the challenges uh, that lie ahead. Uh, certainly, we've talked about some opportunities uh, that people can avail themselves of. I'm just wondering, as you know, somebody who is is very, very focused on this is going to remain focused, um, you know, through the rest of the year. What would you like to see Washington Indivisibles doing, gearing up to do in the coming weeks and months? Great question. Um, so one thing is that not every indivisible group is going to be spending the time and energy to rally people around a candidate here in Washington state, but some are. Um, I talked to um, Mimi in Bellingham, for example, the 42nd legislative district. Um, a sen- Washington state Senator Erickson was basically hired by Trump during Trump's transition to transition the EPA and he is a climate crisis denier and that meant to basically hollow out the EPA. Well, his election was won by very narrow margins in the last time he was up for re-election. Um, he is now being challenged by Sharon Shoemake, who we know well, yep. and Alicia, uh, let's see, is it Alicia Rule, I believe? It's Alicia Rule. There in the 42nd, who will be running again. And then there's a, another a progressive stepping in uh, to basically create a democratic trifecta for the 42nd legislative district in Bellingham. So when I talked to Mimi, I said, we are more than happy. If you are trying to identify opportunities for your neighbors, you know, your friends, your allies to get on board and, and support these candidates, uh, we want to help amplify that message. And uh, so we're going to wait and see. Um, Mimi's talking it over with the folks there in Bellingham. Um, but, uh, but I certainly hope that it'll give us the opportunity to bring some of those candidates on board to have these conversations. I know we've talked about that in the past. So if groups are doing that, um, you know, I really want to know about that. Um, the Indivisible Fashion Get Out the Vote Washington page has opportunities for fundraising, sign waving, text banking, phone banking, door knocking, literature drop, all those things that people are willing to do. And many of those are COVID safe act- activities. So that's one thing. If you've got a local race, you're going to get behind it. You want other people to turn out and support it. Um, let me know because I'd like to help amplify that. Um, the other thing is to find the thing that you're comfortable doing federally um, at the at c- congressional levels. Like we talked, it's it, it will be a challenge. Um, it's um, you know finding your comfort zone, uh, looking into what the opportunities are out there on Indivisible Vashon or any other place, you know, that has opportunities that you can get involved. Find that thing that you're wanting to do, you're willing to do, get trained on how to do it, set aside some time, whether it's, you know, uh, 10, 20 minutes a day to write some postcards, whether it's an hour a day to throw some text back and forth with some voters, um, whether, you know, it's an hour to a day to do some phone banking or a, a week, perhaps, you know, a couple hours a week find that groove that you can get into um, because it's really important um, that we work to, to continue what we have. You know, since you brought up home and we did not prepare this ahead of time, so I'm going to throw you a curveball. But uh, certainly, I think the dynamics have changed in the the eighth CD race. This, of course, is Dr. Kim Schreier uh, is the incumbent there, the the Democrat, and she is going to now be challenged by uh, Reagan Dunn, who's a King County Council uh, member. And uh, we're expecting that the contours of the eighth CD are probably going to change unfavorably for a a Democrat uh, as the Supreme Court. Uh, is currently, you know, working on the lines there. Just generally, before we go, what are some of your thoughts on this? 
Um, I have, you know, I, I definitely understand that, um, you know, it's, it's a, a challenge. I have heard not enough analysis of what will happen in the 8th. Um, the Supreme Court, of course, now is in charge of the new district lines. And so we will have to take a look and see exactly what, you know, they, they come up with in terms of the, how, how they redraw the district. Um, Dunn is a formidable candidate. I think there's no denying that. You know, Dino Rossi, we were fond of saying this will be his third opportunity to lose a high, high stakes race. Fourth. He Fourth lost four times. Yeah. That's right. He was going in a three, three times within the loss column. Um, so uh, I think I think Dr. Schreier you know, is up against a, a bigger challenge um, at this go around. And of course, there's lots and lots and lots of money that's going to be spent on on supporting her, but as well as supporting uh, her her challenger. So, um, you know, I, I, would, I haven't yet had the opportunity to talk to the leadership at Washington's 8th CD. Um, I know in the past they have always rallied to find support. The folks in Port Townsend, you know, they talked about how they look back at carpooling down to the 8th CD and knocking on doors. Um, the groups across the state are many, many groups across the state are willing to pitch in and help where it makes a difference. Uh, so I think we just need to keep raising the raising the awareness of what the opportunities are, and uh, and and how critical it is, you know, that we that we participate, spend some time, you know, doing the work. Absolutely right. I think we'll marshal forces. Uh, we we certainly know that people all across the state are going to come here to my home district in the eighth and uh, and pitch in. Um, you are available to speak at group meetings. So if somebody wants to engage in that way, where they can where can they get in touch? Uh, yeah, I'm totally happy to um, meet by Zoom. I'm, I live on Vashon on a ferry uh, dependent community. So um, it's, uh, it's harder and harder for me to, to get pull myself off the rock these days. But uh, thank goodness for the, the beauty of Zoom and, and, uh, and online meetings. Um, yeah, I, I definitely um, interested if you folks, listeners want to say, hey, let's talk a little bit more um, about what Indivisible Vashon's doing, what we're finding, how we put you know, how we view kind of the, the state of what's going on in the race. Get in touch with me, Kevin, at indivisiblevashon.org. You can email me uh, directly, and I'm more than happy to hear from you. And, and let's talk about how to keep the conversation going. Kevin Jones, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next month. I'm looking forward to that, and uh, keep keep working on uh, finding those great opportunities. Find your find your lane, find your zone, get get involved, and uh, and let's make this this turn out to be uh, the best election we can. Perfect way to leave it. Thanks, man. And that'll do it for this week. If you would like to see a video of this or any of our podcasts, head to facebook.com slash indivisiblepodcast. Our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at indivisiblepod. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.